You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 38 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Brendan. Just enjoying my last day of of uh, vacation, of holidays before I head back to work tomorrow. So the uh, reality is starting to settle in, you know. Mm. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm sure that's exciting. Um, so yeah, if I just got back to Texas. Nice 14-hour drive down. Finally have some decently stable internet so we can go back to filming. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was pretty happy that we were able to record during those weeks in which I was up in the mountains. Um, but anyway, so today we're going to be talking about the Everest previews that start in just over two weeks. And before we know it, there'll be a brand new set in hand and ready to play for the class-constructed ProQuest season. And with that, also probably a new meta, <laughs> at least we hope. So today, Hayden and I are going to be giving you our takes and discuss what we think Everfest needs to bring, which, which heroes to keep your eye on in the new meta, and what we think will change, and also what will remain the same. Anyway, Hayden, before that, let's talk about your week in Flesh and Blood. Yeah, my week in Flesh and Blood. So it's been just testing, really. Nationals coming up in a little over three weeks. So just trying to lock in the deck that I want to play, the list I want to play, um, and start working on you know matchups and things like that for Classic Constructed. Uh, sort of did a lot of draft testing towards the end of the year, end of 2021 and end of December. I'm hoping to get a few more drafts in over the next few weeks as well, uh, once I can. So yeah, otherwise just, as I say, just playing some class constructed, being on sort of a weird time schedule with, you know, being on, on leave on holidays. So uh, although I've just been hanging around home, I've, you know, sort of just been testing when I can uh, with, with some of the guys. And that's, yeah, it's kind of been about it. What about yourself? Yes, you, you haven't really been playing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we all know that I've uh, I have been on a hiatus, but I am back. So my weekend flesh and blood will be starting up again. I think it's tomorrow. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm I definitely missed playing the game. Uh, it's weird because I feel like I'm going to come back and be like super washed up or something like that. Hayden, I just want to ask you real quick before we get into the news: What is Australia Nationals looking like? Is it um, is it confirmed now? Is it more likely? Because I know the last time we spoke, it was uh, looking a little grim. I don't know. <laughs> in all honesty, <laughs> in all honesty, the the kind of like I guess like COVID situation around the world's kind of changed, and and in, uh, in Australia in particular, uh, I guess this kind of strategies move. So it looks like things are just going to happen. Um, I'm I can't say with 100 percent certainty, but it does look like yeah, we're going to have nationals in, in three weeks at the stage. So uh, no no news to report on that front really. Okay, and confirm that you will be playing Azalea, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm play the Kano Spice, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we're gonna be talking a lot more about Kano. When we talk about Everfest, but take us into the news, Hayden. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot has happened over the past few weeks in terms of, you know, it's been downtime, it's been people's vacation time, holiday time. LSS, I'm sure, are taking some much needed downtime after a crazy 2021. But a few things just to recap as we head into. I guess January, and, and there's a few things on the horizon, right? So, of course, we do have the ProQuest starting up in, in February. This is one of the ProQuest. There's a, a four-week season there. If you haven't already seen this, you can check it out on Fab TCG. and there is an event located with, you know, where these ProQuests are. It looks like, I'd say, I think all of them had to be scheduled by the end of December or sort of before Christmas, so they should all be up now. You should be able to find those ProQuest events near you and get in, in touch with the stores or, or enter those. We also have the Welcome to Wraith Farewell events, which are happening in the last week of January. You again can check out Fab TCG if you want more information on those events. These are Welcome to Wraith draft events, in store events, 
and you can check out the event locator to find out where you might be able to play one of those near you. We also have some videos going up on the format. Uh, I've just been recording these this week in terms of, you know, sort of introduction to the Welcome to Wraith Draft format. Brendan and myself were, I think, able to play, well, I know I definitely was able to play a lot of Welcome to Wraith Draft. And then after Unlimited, again, got to play a lot more. Just was my favorite draft format. Tried to play it at every opportunity. So a bit of introduction on Welcome to Wraith Draft, what it is, how to, how to draft it, sort of some key cards and strategies. And then we've also got videos, one for each hero, so diving into how to draft those classes, the key archetypes and and what they're all about and how to you know how to, how to hopefully win some drafts with these these archetypes how to draft them <laughs> otherwise yeah other other news i guess everfest we're actually so close obviously we're doing the pod today talking about what we think of everfest and what we're expecting to see and changes to class constructed but just in general everfest is out in less than what three what four weeks sorry <laughs> no it's not everfest comes out in the 4th of february so yeah just just about four weeks from now but previews, which is what I mean to say, start on the 24th. So that's that's around three weeks from now. And now we have our preview on the 28th, which is Friday. I think it's Eastern Standard Time of Friday that it goes up sometime on that day. Not sure what time we'll put it up. So keep an eye out for that. We will let you know close to the time. And we get to open up a pack. Uh, we're going to do that on time of the round on the 29th. Where is the pack going, though? Is it going to Texas? I have no Australia? clue. I have no clue. Neither do I. Um, yeah, what I want to quickly ask you, uh, not to ever too much for the news, what do you think about the preview season and the way it, you know, it only lasts a week, right? So it, it feels like it kind of should be over the course of January. Um, but, you know, it just starts on the 24th and then quickly you just rotate into the set. Um, do you think that in the, like, that maybe it would be better if we had it throughout the month here? Mixed feelings because I think Everfest being a supplemental set is less important to the flesh and blood storyline. Yeah. To some degree. Um, there's also, you know, from a perspective of we're not getting more adult heroes as far as we know. So the kind of the spoiling that you'd have or the previous season you'd have with uh, a normal set like a Tales of Aria or a Monarch or, you know, these these core sets, these base sets where you're introducing the heroes to their community and saying, you know, you know, they're basically telling a story and releasing these hero by hero, right? That's how they've done it in the past. Whereas with, I guess, Crucible and now with Everfest, it's, we know we're getting cards for every hero. It's about the class constructive format. And so I think that kind of the week, it's a bit less of a spectacle, right? In some ways, because this is, you know, the, the marquee sets of these, these sets that introduce new, you know, completely new things, um, new talents, for instance. So I think the kind of idea of keeping it a little bit more low key makes sense. But in saying that, we've kind of had nothing over the past you know, few weeks and for the next two to three weeks, we probably won't have much uh, in the way of things to talk about in terms of, you know, like cards, previews, things like that. So I do wish maybe they'd just given us a few more. Obviously, we've got that sort of early preview of the new Guardian Young Hero and um, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Life of the Party? Um, yeah life of the party yeah and also the the crazy brew one. Oh yeah um, rounds on me this round yeah me. for me it's like i just wish we had more time to let it marinate right you gotta you gotta throw those in the pan let those onions caramelize because just in the, the sprint in the week i think some of the some of the um the specialness of it is gonna be lost on me because me so many cards so fast right still a big set uh relatively so and the thing about these supplemental sets is what they're adding is so impactful you know it's not a new class um which obviously brings its own excitement. But if you think back to like Crucible, like Bloodsheath Scalata being spoiled, like I could think about that thing for a year. <laughs> oh yeah, we so, definitely talk about that card more. <laughs> yeah, I do wish it was split up a bit. But anyway, we're gonna head into previous season, and it should be very, very exciting. I'm very, yeah. I'm really pumped to get my hands on that pack, though. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think the one I'm glad that I don't have to think about 
ever fest until after nationals so for me i think it's a positive i would hate to be thinking okay we've got the pro quest season coming up in less than a month and i've still got nationals to worry about but now we're starting to see cards for Everfest, and it's a bit distracting i think uh and i do think that's one of the reasons that lss keep this previous season so short is to keep everyone on a level playing field in terms of you know we came from if you're in north america in particular um you just came through a calling season roll into the holiday period and then if the previous season started in early january people are probably already starting to think about these cards and decks and, and whatnot so it gives people a bit of a bit of downtime which is nice considering it does seem like we're gonna have a really hectic sort of op schedule for 2022 mm-hmm. well anyway today we on this week's time of the round is um we don't know yet so we haven't found out who it's going to be but i'm sure it's going to be exciting <laughs> So still trying to figure it out, um, but check out, you know, keep tuned for this weekend when it does uh, eventually pop up. Last week's was our best moments of 2021. We hope you enjoyed that. It is awesome to, you know, be wrapping up a year of Arsenal Pass and Flesh and Blood. And I want to shout out the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel uh, with that as well. We are shooting for our 3,000 subscribers by the end of January. <laughs> Didn't make it by December, but we'll get there. Um, the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel does have tons of extra content in addition to the spot, including deck text, gameplay, all kinds of different stuff. Go, go check it out. And finally, thank you so much to all of our patrons. You help us do what we do. Um, and yeah, just in a, in a million thanks. And a quick show is that there is a lot of extra content on the Patreon as well, most notably the deck deck techs and deck guides and we do a deck tech on the um, youtube channel we throw up the cyborg guide deck theory ratios everything you need to pick it up and start being competitive on that patreon Mm -hmm. anyway hayden well i am finally out of the snow it was very very cold up there in colorado um sometimes below zero but now that i'm back in texas i've got my my short shorts on i've got my sunnies on as well and my thongs as you call them down in australia and i'm i definitely don't i'm from new zealand You can't interrupt my my creative process here. Um, I'm ready to hit that command and cookout, so take us in. Perfect. Well, in classic Brendan fashion, you've jumped the gun. Uh, (laughs) Do just have a couple of last items from, I guess, the news in terms of just some things to highlight. Uh, We did have a deck tech go up on uh, Reiner, a deck that I'm unfortunately not going to be playing at Nationals, so I'm not going to be taking an alpha booster box off of Brendan uh, by winning Nationals with it. But, you know, maybe maybe next year. We've got time. Uh, and as well, we actually are now finally launching our Discord for our patrons. So if you are a, a, a patron, our official Discord will be launching this week by the time the pod's out, actually. And if you're not already, well, you know, come and join us and, and join the community. We have uh, you know, a place to discuss and talk about decks and deck building and formats and you know, everything under the sun. But yes, Brennan. Yeah, it's it's uh, I tell you what, it's getting it's getting hot down here in uh, in Australia. Yeah. It's been it's been warm. The uh, the barbecues, the grills have been out for the summer. So now I understand why you had um, why you had that section highlighted on the on the notes here is because I was wildly ahead of you <laughs> in classic fashion. <laughs> so got a question this week that comes from uh, Kyla Wehi. Uh, Kyla is an Arsenal Pass patron. Thank you for the question, Kyla, and sending that into us. The question from Kyla is: What are alternative cards for both Command and Conquer and Enlightened Strike? I don't have these cards. I can't afford them. And I want to ask what I could sub into this spot when copying a deck list there. And I think it's a great question. I think a lot of people would be in this sort of position of looking for alternatives. Um, I know when we've done deck decks in the past or we've talked about specific decks or especially when we've talked about equipment, we have talked about alternatives. But Commander Cooker, uh, Commander Cooker, <laughs> Commander, <laughs> Commander Conquer uh, and Line Strike are two pretty key staples of the game so far, right, from our first two sets. And they seem to still be popping up and majority of deck lists, uh, if you if you look at deck lists, it's very hard to find one that doesn't have Command & Conquer or E-Strike, um, you know, at least one of those cards in it. So 
if you're building a deck, Brendan, maybe you don't have access to these cards, or you, or you don't want to put them in, you want to look for alternatives, what are some things that you might think about subbing them out for? So the, this, these ones are particularly tough, I feel like, because there isn't uh, there isn't an easy substitute. In the sense, there's not a card that does you know, something super similar. They're both quite unique. Um, Command and Cookout having the <laughs> disruption for your opponent, and E-Strike having all the modes, of course. But that being said... I think if I am trying to replace these cards in my deck, which in most decks it's very, very, very possible, um, I'm usually looking towards other class cards or other generics that actually further my specific game plan. So uh, probably an example I can pull of this is like in Crucible of War, we saw a lot of ninja decks playing Command and, Con uh, Command and Conquer. And I think that, you know, sometimes... Uh, a good choice and a good sub for that or even a better card to have in your deck would just be, you know, maybe another combo card or another card that just kind of is more congruent with your aggressive game plan anyway, right? Yeah, so I have some thoughts on, on this one, I think. Um, the command and cookout, as you like to say. <laughs> the, did I say command and yeah, cookout? Yeah, you definitely did. did. You, so good. So you good. sneak that Freudian little thing into my brain? Hey, dude, you know, it's all you. Uh, the the idea of these cards, you like you say, in terms of finding effects that are similar, it's very difficult because kind of gun and conquer has a very specific effect and you don't really see anything like this on an attack action there's a few cards that you know you've got disable and bravo for instance which has a similar a very similar effect a bit of closest kind of comparison but in terms of a generic not so much and then light and strike the modal kind of piece of that card is really unique but one thing i would say is that a card like in line strike doesn't do one particular job you're not sitting there and going okay i'm playing this vista deck and i don't have sonata arcanics access to that card no it's very different Enlightened Strike is doing much less of a specific role in basically any deck you play it in. So I think Enlightened Strike is the easiest card to replace. I actually think in a lot of situations, people just put Enlightened Strike in the deck because they have space to in it, or it's the first card on the sort of team sheet, so to speak, um, where maybe it, it doesn't need to be uh, because it doesn't work with other things that you're trying to do. So I do think there is often always alternatives to Enlightened Strike, and they're actually not just a like-for-like -like replacement. It's probably just a completely different card that works in with the strategy that you're trying to build around. Um, sometimes in aggressive decks, I'd say, is where you'd miss in line strike the most. And then you're looking for cards, you know, red line cards that do something, you know, like uh, a scar for a scar with go again, for instance, or a life for a life uh, with go again and, and can push an on hit effect. Um, it can be five, it can be a five point life swing, for instance. So I do think there is there is times where you're looking for something similar, but a lot of the time, I think in line strike just gets put in because of how good a card it is. Command and Conquer, I think, more so a bit difficult to replace because of specific effect that that has right so we know that's really good into you know five card hand decks into decks that play a lot of defense reactions um i guess one thing you could look at is why you're playing the command and conquer so you use the example before of you know like a plane in katsu or maybe something like an exude confidence is actually better in that deck you know something that's going to stop your opponent from playing defense reactions in an aggressive deck uh, that could be what you're looking for or if you're actually looking to attack that arsenal and attack five card hands then you know maybe you need to look at something that can do that in a certain way uh, and it might not even be attack action it could be a non-attack action in your chosen class you know it could be providing it could be nature's path pilgrimage to provide a non-hit and warrior or uh something similar so i i think the command and conquer uh, sorry. <laughs> there we go the command and conquer is a bit more difficult to replace but i do think when you're replacing command and conquer in any given deck you're probably looking for what that card is giving you in your deck so in brute for instance it's you know it's a six attack that costs two that has a, a relevant on-hit effect I don't know, maybe Cadaver's Contraband could be a replacement for that because it has an on-hit effect that can get you back a Blood Rush Bellas. It's a different on-hit effect, but it's still a six attack and it still has an on-hit effect. Yeah. I mean, those two cards in particular, I think that, um, you know, they absolutely can be replaced with those cards that are 
they just kind of fit into your game plan. They're just totally different cards, though. Like you said, they can't really be replaced on an effect-for-effect basis. Um, but I'm hoping that we get some derivatives for Command and & Conquer and, um, and Lightning Strike soon. So hope <laughs> maybe in, in line with the topic of this pod, like maybe with Everfest as well. But right now, they do... They do tend to serve a very specific function. With that being said, I do think that Command & Conquer especially is heavily overplayed. Um, it has shined in the past metas. Like it did, it was very good in Monarch and it was pretty good in um, in Tales of Aria as well. But that being said, I think there will be a point in the near future where the meta will shift and Command & Conquer will just be criminally overplayed and not nearly <laughs> as good. I, I don't know if you checked out our best of video, Brendan, but that clip talking about Command & Conquer potentially being overplayed was definitely in that video, <laughs> the best of 2021. So that, there you go. We're already foreshadowing. Yeah, I think if you came to me and said, oh, I want to build this Bravo deck without Crippling Crush, or I want to build this Viscerite deck without Mordred Tide, uh, that's a much tougher ask in terms of replacing those cards because of just the specific they jo- job they do in those strategies, as opposed to something more generic like a Command & Conquer and Inline Strike. I think those cards are actually... Uh, easier to replace. It's just about thinking about the reason those cards are in the deck and trying to find something that's similar. I don't think there's a uh, a straight alternative. It's not like if you don't have E-Strike, you play this, or you don't have Command & Conquer, you play this. It's going to be dependent on the deck. Yeah, totally agree. Cool. Well, if you do have any questions for the Command & Cookout section, you can send those to us in, in basically any way you want to. Uh, if you are a Patreon, you can also just send this to us on Discord now. Um, but ArsenalPassFab at gmail.com if you want to email them in. You can hit us up on Twitter with a direct message or an at on Twitter and we'll, we'll check those out. And we'll definitely get your questions on the Commander Cookout. Good chance to get these on at the start of the year as we kind of cleared through most of the questions from last year and don't really have much of a backlog. So if you do want to get your question on, get it into us. But Brennan, should we move on to the main topic of the show, the big discussion? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so... Everfest, as we say, preview start in a few weeks. Week after that, we do have the release. Again, our previews on the 28th. I'm very excited for this. I can't wait to see what we get. Um, but we're anticipating at least somewhat of a shakeup of the const- class constructive meta with its release. If we look back at Crucible, uh, we had a lot of cards released with Crucible that, you know, every card is designed in some way for constructed, for constructed play in these sets because they're a supplemental set. So although, you know, you get less cards overall than some of the, the base sets, every card is an impactful card for Constructor potentially, as opposed to maybe being limited based cards. So there's a lot of things that we potentially are going to have come the start of February to look at for, you know, building new class Constructor decks, editing current class Constructor decks, and looking at, I guess, what the new meta could or might look like. So I know we each have our thoughts on what we expect to happen, what is likely to happen, and what we want to happen, which hero stock we think might rise or fall, uh, and which heroes that are just kind of a card or two away from glory, which could find themselves, and, and which could find themselves sort of on the wrong end of Everfest, with a bit of a bit of a festival hangover, they could see them sort of <laughs> struggle through the next format. So, I want to start by talking about what we actually expect to see from Everfest in the context of Class Constructed. Like, what are the things that we're expecting Everfest to immediately do to Class Constructed? And I think. And the first thing for me is I'm expecting to see some slowdown to a degree. Don't know how big it'll be to the sort of power of aggressive decks in, in these past two formats. Think Lightning Briar, think the explosiveness of, of chains had to or had the ability to have. Uh, that's kind of where I think we're going to see some impact immediately. Although I did yeah, say Tales funny. of Aria. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I actually disagree with you after Tales of Aria. Um, I think that you and I have been thinking that... Uh, the format slowing down or cards that will help the format slow down, you know, have basically we've wanted them to come for a long time now and they haven't right. Or at least they have in design, but they haven't in kind of 
the way they've affected the meta. So do I think, I mean, do I think that Everfest will bring cards that will slow down the format? Maybe, right? But I don't think it's going to be a key design um, kind of pillar of that set. Because if we look at Tales of War, it really looked like Frost was built to do exactly that. And while it did have an effect, it, um, it, didn't, it didn't have as much an effect as we would have thought. So I think that you know, Everfest may just be a little bit more of the same in terms of kind of card design, right? In terms of like, there will be, definitely be a lot of tools for aggro, there'll be a lot of tools for mid-range, and probably a similar amount for slower decks as well. So I think that the effect on the format, I'm skeptical. Right? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm skeptical, right? You're skeptical? <laughs> skeptical. Yeah, Command and Cookout, and I'm pretty skeptical over here about that card. Um, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what you think, but... It, Definitely for a while now, we've been kind of waiting for something to slow down the format. And I just think that the design in Flesh and Blood may have um, pivoted a bit, whether intentional or unintentional, to where, you know, we are in, a, in the era of proactive um, decks and game plans. Yeah, so I think proactiveness and aggressive speed are two very different things, right? And I, I think I know, I know you'd agree with that, but just, just pointing it out. And while I think we did definitely think the format would slow down with Tales of Aria, I think actually now that you look at it, it did. It did slow down to a degree. Not much, not much, but the prevalence of setup decks and, and sort of more mid-range decks and the fact we do have decks like all time viable in the format. To me, it felt like control decks in the last format were just not viable at all. Whereas I feel like now you do have this viability to play something like old. I think all time is a very good deck. So I do think... The, 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 I guess the piece I put on is that when I say slow down, I don't think we're going to move to this like control heavy format with like mid range decks that start to emerge like I thought we might see with Tales of Aria. But I do think that we see, you know, some decks that have the ability to play more control style or setup style get some tools. And I think that's where we're going to see more so maybe necessarily than us seeing like hate cards to slow down decks like Raya. I think what we see is cards that help some of these, you know, strategies that are just, a, you know, a link or two away from being able to play these sort of setup strategies or more maybe control-based strategies, get a few options to make them a bit more viable. And I think that will somewhat slow the format down. That's kind of where I think it'll be. But I, yeah, I don't think we're going to see, I know before Tales of Aria, we felt like, oh, maybe we're going to see like the rise of mid-range decks. And uh, when we first saw the set come out because of Frost and things like that, we thought like, you know, Reinar was going to be like one of the best decks in the format uh, because of that, or even Livia. So I think that we see a little bit of a, a slowdown, but yeah, I think the, like you say, the kind of the design that we thought we might see with Tales of Aria, that's not where we're going direction-wise. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's interesting though. Yeah, for sure. So what I think we're going to see out of Tales of Aria, and this is slightly a cop-out because I guess we have a small hint towards that, is more card draw. Um, like if you look at the new guardian hero, I don't know if you know her name off the top of your head. Elder? Um, yeah, Violet. I think that's it. Yeah. So we do see a hint towards, um, towards card draw being more prevalent in the game. And I think that it's a area that's a bit underexplored at the moment, maybe for a good reason, right? Because I don't know if you've ever played a deck with, <laughs> with card draw, you've kind of seen how powerful those effects can be. And especially, you know, five card versus four card is just ridiculous in this game. Mm. Nevertheless, I think that it will be, uh, a design space that will be more explored in Everfest. And like you said, and I, I can't take credit for this idea because it did come from you, that could manifest in the expansion of the copper, silver, and gold mechanic. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see what we get. I hadn't really thought about, I guess my thought, we, we did this separately, right? We kind of came up with our thoughts on this separately to just, you know, facilitate discussion once we get onto the pod. And I was definitely thinking more along the lines of like big macro changes and, you know, like what where the format direction will go. And I like that you've, but more about what we actually 
see specifically <laughs> like what does that mean like the card draw aspect and things like that and obviously we have some hints of that already yeah i, I don't know that the card draw piece so from what we've seen so far it looks like it's it's going to be something but maybe it's maybe this is a mechanic we see more in blitz right you know maybe cashin yeah. and, and kasai and valda valda more you know obviously the young heroes those two so maybe it's more viable in, in blitz for instance i, I don't know but Card draw kind of scares me a little bit in this game because we've seen the impact of it with cards like Plunderan, with Tom of and other formats, uh, with High Octane. You know, like that that kind of idea does scare me a little bit, to, to be honest. Uh, so I'd be interested to see what it is. Hopefully it's to a degree where it's more about, I guess, cycling things through or the ability to maybe net a card with a bit of work, which allows you to have setup because... If you think about like setup decks, right? What are the, some of the most powerful things you can do is already have your resources on the board in the form of your equipment uh, or maybe even like a potion. And for us to then, you know, start to think about, well, we have like five, six, seven card hands for big setup turns. That sounds very frightening to me. <laughs> I mean, like you said, uh, a system to filter could also be on the menu as well. And that is, I guess, a derivative of card draw. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. that is that is exactly what we see with the current copper system. So it could be interesting, like an interesting kind of thing to add to the game, right? A better way to filter your hand, reduce variance, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I like the way it's been done so far. You take a card like Tom of Fiendale, costs you one resource, and it costs the card itself. So one one of the card draw replaces Tome, and then you know you're getting some of your resources back potentially, and then you gain the life. So you get an added bonus on your your card draw. So I like that idea. Uh, we've got cards that can trip, you know, that filter through, like High Octane, for instance, replaces itself and then gives you this bonus effect for the turn. Um, so I, I like those kind of effects and I'd be happy to see more of those kind of things. I think they're easier to balance and and work with. Uh, if anything says, you know, we start to see more things say draw three on it, I'm starting to get scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the uh, the effect of having it, just one additional card from your opponent on a consistent basis is much more powerful than... I think I originally thought it would be in this game. Yeah, because of the ability to set up these big turns, right? When we first were playing Flesh and Blood through the first two sets, these kind of big setup turns, that was it was kind of a joke, right? Like people talked about like OTK Kano with like getting six potions into play and stacking your deck with Whisper of the Oracles and stuff. And now these kind of powerful plans are actually, you know, somewhat viable. Crucible gave us tools for that and we've had more since then. So yeah, I think I agree. Um <laughs> I think one thing we're going to see or expect to see from Everfest is the growth of the talent system in terms of realization of what this could be for certain heroes uh, who have already, you know, these talented heroes that we've already seen so far. And I guess what I mean by that is that we take the heroes from Monarch, we take uh, even the heroes we've just had from Tales of Aria. I expect that we'll see cards that round out things we've seen already but don't quite feel right so there's a few things with prism right we say okay there's kind of it's pretty feels pretty one-dimensional you've got this aura thing you've got uh, iris of reality is a weapon that just seems like it's just strictly worse than, than the um the other weapon right and then do we now get from this set some cards that round out those those i guess opportunities to play different things um it seems like with you know like earth ultim for instance it seems like really underexplored because it kind of feels a bit underpowered right now Maybe we get a few more options for that that round out the ability to play those decks in Classic Constructed or even Blitz Constructed. And that's what I expect us to see is just this kind of, I guess, additive to the talent system heroes um, in some way. And I don't know what that looks like. I I guess I'm assuming it's going to look similar to what we saw in those base sets, but it could also look completely different. 
it's interesting, right? Um, I'm not, I just like, that's the thing is like, I'm not totally sure. I've wondered about the illusionist class. Like how does the illusionist class get expanded upon? Is it when we get an actual illusionist? Um, revealed in a set, right? Like in a, a class, like mm. in Arcade Rising or Tales of Aria, like whatever it is, and that will expand that card pool. But right now, it does feel like you know a lot of those illusionist cards are kind of ancillary at most. Like yeah. this sort of more aggressive line, Spears of Surreality, Phantasmoclasm, <laughs> all these cards are really, really cool. But right now, it just feels like you have sort of two ways to go with Prism, and they're both a part of the same coin, right? You're either the Aura plan or the aggressive plan. Um, or sort of a mix and match of both in a tr- with a transformative sideboard. But that is the class that I'm most awaiting, I guess, most waiting for um, an expansion of the Illusionist cards. Well, it is your main, so I guess that makes, <laughs> that makes sense. We have hard claim that it's your main. Uh, yeah, it's it, because of cards like Sp- Spears of Surreal is actually a card I was thinking about as well, um, or Phantasmify even. These cards that have seen all this yeah. play because the the light talent or I guess Illusionist was much more driven to those cards. So they're actually kind of on the opposite spectrum of what I was talking about. I was thinking about the talent system itself, but, you know, those cards are actually non-talented cards, right? So what's the impact of those? Like, do we get a young Illusionist and that kind of fills a role until we get another Illusionist in a future set? Or do we actually see some some talented cards that can use those to some degree? Uh, it's really interesting. That's kind of what I mean. Like, which, which direction does it get taken with the set? Do cards that... You know, strategies that already exist, do they get more cards for those strategies? Or actually, do we get some different cards for these talented heroes that give it a bit of a different feel in the talent uh, sort of pie that they're in and then also allow some of these cards that have come already that maybe maybe not be talented or could be support-style cards become relevant for those heroes? So, but yeah, I, I do just think whatever way we go down, we're going to see some support to help, especially a, a hero like Bolton. I think we're going to see something there that's going to either be additive or or just a little bit derivative of the current sort of strategies we have but what do i expect from tales of aria i'm well, just going to throw a little bait out there here we i'm going to say i i expect <laughs> i expect a bard an adult bard maybe a young what? One with it as well. <laughs> what what it was in the lore did you not read the lore yeah yeah i didn't i didn't did. so you I lit a you- candle turned off the lights Put a little blanket over my head and I read the lore and it's like, there's a bard coming. Um, do I actually think that? I don't know. It's 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 definitely not congruent with previous design. We only have one sample size to pull from, which is Crucible of War. That being said, I think adult heroes being released in supplemental sets is totally reasonable. Um, and I would I would welcome it. <laughs> All right, Can we- there be an entire new class printed though? That is that is a stretch of design. Is that possible? That is the question. But I would really like that. I mean, the bard is obviously a fan favorite. It's something we've all wanted. And I don't know. I just think it, it could be a really good addition. It seems like they've been hinting at it pretty hard, but they could just be trolling us. Could be. I mean, the Crucible, I guess, pattern to follow would be release a young a young bard, right? Like we had Cavdine. Yeah. We had the young merchant. For sure. It'd be interesting to see what that means for Everfest. But yeah, could be. I mean, as one thing we know about Legend Story Studios is that they're not afraid to change up the formula. And what we expect to happen, as we talk about in the section, is very very well could be doesn't matter yeah exactly <laughs> and the, they do the opposite <laughs> exactly so we will talk about some of the things that we don't expect to see and those could be the ones that happen so um one i did want to talk about is i expect to see from everfest actually very limited support for some of the more difficult to play heroes uh and i'm looking at kano slash wizard for a particular reason that i think that that hero is one that has quite a high skill curve to it and i think even just printing a few cards could push that into broken territory to be honest 
uh, even in Classic Constructed, but especially in Blitz. Although if they're not as worried about Blitz because they can kind of manage that format through bannings, etc., and it's more of a casual format, maybe it's not as relevant. But yeah, I mean, the class probably only needs a few pieces to be pretty, you know, pretty oppressive potentially. So I think we actually see limited support or we see it taken in another direction. You know, some things that come into support a different sort of play style. Maybe Aether Conjurer becomes playable, who knows? I think there's a there's kind of a general consensus that the wizard class and Kano as a hero is very fragile, right? Um, like too many tools will could make it oppressive, and it's one of the worst decks to be oppressive because it's it can feel non-interactive, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, you know a meta where Kano was v very far ahead from everything else uh, and just dominating definitely warp people's ability to even like kind of play the game at all because <laughs> if you've ever played against kano and blitz and kind of had one of those non-games you realize that like it doesn't really feel like flesh and blood so i think they're very very sensitive with that class and also i may have heard from a birdie that potentially that class is very good in in private uh private development and private testing and you know we just haven't really brought it to fruition or you know maybe it's just not as consistent as it needs to be for professional level events mm. The long-standing rumor that wizard is just completely broken <laughs> um <laughs> i also think that warrior to some degree specifically dorinthia kind of sits in this camp to it a little bit i don't think it's as much a skill curve but i do think that a few more cards get printed especially things that might work with something like unified decree which i will still stand as a very very strong card with the right sort of uh, support package around it a few more cards that could interact with that and you have a deck that is probably very linear but very just just awful to play against if you want to defend and since defending is half the game in flesh and blood that doesn't sound very fun to me so yeah i'm expecting we see really sort of tailored support but maybe slightly throttled support for some of these these classes yeah i would counter in the sense that i think that legend star studios doesn't care how miserable it is play against Dorinthia because they keep giving warrior tools <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it seems like warrior is just a class that uh we seem to keep printing cards for right it's a very you know it's a class people love class people like to play it's a lot of it's for a lot of people it's their entry class so i could see warrior getting a lot more support um but i'm i'm definitely on the side with you that i hope that tall warrior in the form of dorinthia doesn't get some sort of oppressive tool set to move forward with yeah okay uh i think that's kind of it from what we expect to see from first we kind of talked about a lot of these i guess the last thing i didn't mention is there some maybe potentially unfinished strategies that we saw with like ninja you know with the crucible cards with heron's flight and yeah. flood of force and maybe those cards are just bad flood of force in particular but maybe there's something there and and um we see that with the release of everfest something happens or there's some cards that allow that support package to be played and and all of a sudden those cards become good so i do think that at least for some heroes that will happen some cards that realize strategies will happen but not for every class and i think that's very purposeful and and for good reason yeah there's actually quite a few of these um like you said the earth earth guardian illusionist um and like you said with ninja as well so there's quite a few that we can get short up and kind of round it out um and i'm i'm definitely hoping for that and i think you spoke to a point that i've been thinking about for a while which is those crucible additions to ninja for they just they were, didn't really see play, and it's like there's so much design there. It's um, it's yeah. crazy. Well, there's there's certain classes that haven't had anything since Crucible, right? Ninja being one of them uh, that we haven't mm -hmm. we just haven't seen anything since Crucible. So yeah, it'd be um, a mechanologist as well. It'd be interesting to see what what happens there. But I think we obviously we 
my my call is we get some cards for them uh but yeah it'd be interesting to see what those look like i think we'll see some strategies being rounded out whether it even be like you know more boost orientated strategies and dash for instance um or item based strategies What do we want to see? What are the things we want to see, Brendan? You know, like dream list, wish list. You don't necessarily expect them to happen, but these are the things that you really want to see with uh, with Everfest. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to do a quick shout out to Jason Long and uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> the, this, but the guy's so smart yeah. with his set yeah. predictions. He's probably correct right. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in regards to Wizard specifically, um, another damage amplifying card. So a card like Aether Flare, um, something that hopefully doesn't make Wizard. <laughs> oppressively overpowered or have some sort of cheesy strategy but does punish people for not being prepared for it um like car- something that a card like aether flare does very very well so yeah for me that's going to be my number one that's what i want to see i want to see wizard be able to f- function a bit better into the meta it just seems like it's it's just a tough pick right it's a tough pick into almost every field um maybe into a pro tour it's okay but right now i think it needs a few pieces and that's really what i'm waiting for which is <laughs> Definitely no secret. I've said it a few times. What if I've got something to 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 give you here? What if you could have a pair of boots that said uh, you start the game with ten plus life? Mm, is that good <laughs> enough to get rid of my stormstrider? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Oh, I think I'd still pick stormstriders to be honest. Ooh. But you know, if you have those kind of boots, well, if you have those boots, your your game plan would change quite a bit, right? Yeah, I agree. It'd be a very different game plan. Maybe I could finally play my GTL Kano. I mean, so yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> People flip over the. Maybe they're just called like uh, I don't know Kano's big boy boots. He flips them over and just you know his tank tank Kano ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. Uh, I want to see. So we talked about the format slowing down a bit. I think my expectation is it slows down a little bit. And when I say slow, I don't necessarily mean that we move to like control and mid-range checks, but I think that we see more time for things to happen during the game. Uh, to some degree, we see strategies that are less aggressive focused be viable. I would love to see though, and I don't expect this to happen, but to see a return of, of the, the sort of mid-range decks and games uh, and key transition points being in the mid-game. I don't think we, we see this happen because it just it hasn't been the design in the last two sets and would be quite a change in the design. And I don't even necessarily think it'd be a good thing for the game, but I would personally like to see it. I think it would uh, drive a lot of uh, different strategies and make some things viable that are currently not viable. But yeah, I, I don't think that we will, will necessarily get this, unfortunately, for me. <laughs> probably not it's probably yeah. a good thing we don't get it though to be honest yeah i think we we delve deep on that on unpacking that kind of philosophical question that it is um in the in the patreon pod but yeah I, there, there's not inherently an issue with um the current formats no. and their speed and the way they function in terms of like not really allowing for a lot of you know deck stacking or combo mid-range all that i'm okay with that um and i'm okay with that moving forward I will say that even though I don't want it, I think more combo in the game might be healthy. Because I know there's a large, there's a reasonably large subset of players that really, really enjoy that. And I think right now there's not a, a ton of decks that help kind of scratch that itch. You don't want to play Saber Bolton? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit more interactive. Right? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you it's, can, it's crazy, brew, crazy Brew combo is coming. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love that. I love, um, you know, I love having kind of dual purposes for something or at least having another card that can, you know, utilize something like Crazy Brew that 
maybe you weren't able to you you were able to play the card, but then you weren't able, you weren't able to really get a lot of value out of it, and it's just sitting on there. So you have another card that's related to that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the design of <laughs> design. What is that card called? The one that utilizes Crazy Brew. Um, this round, this rounds on me, or Nick's rounds on me, yeah. or something. <laughs> whatever. Well, whatever it is, I think that that is such a cool way to implement like what I think is fundamentally an awesome design of a card, which is Crazy Brew, and then bring it up to where you know it has a bit more of a use case and can be a bit more competitive as well. Yes. Yeah. This rounds on me is what it's called. Yeah. Okay. And it's a majestic at blue. Uh, oh no, that's the wrong card. That's the, the life of the party <laughs> is the one that uses the crazy brew. The, this rounds on me is the each hero draws a card one and um, attacks have minus one. The quote unquote uh, Katsu Hosa, you know, <laughs> it was if Katsu needed that already. But tell you what, uh, this rounds on me actually leads me to my next kind of point on what we want to see. And that's what I want to see a few more interactive cards. And I think actually we're going to get this because this rounds on me kind of already points to this being being something that we're seeing with just you know the second card spoiled. But cards like Blizzard or Channel Like Frigid or even Chains of Eminence, I think these are good ways to balance interaction uh, with, I guess, I don't want to say hate cards, but they kind of are in a way, right? Like they do a certain thing that targets the opponent's ability to do anything or do a specific thing on any given turn when you play this card. Channel like Frigid, of course, can do that for multiple turns. And I think these sort of cards are good for the game as long as they're balanced in the right way. Because, uh, you know, sometimes they can feel a bit unfun and you don't want to be playing against decks that just get to... I don't want to play against... Uh, if you've played Magic, you know, these kind of... Uh, these hate bear decks that just basically stop you from playing the game or these lockout Prism-style decks that stop you from playing the game. So um, I'm, I'm glad that we do see some of these cards already. And I think we're going to see some things like this in in the next set um i now believe that we're going to and i do also want to see it you know i think we you know we had chains of eminence and arcane rising and then we had like snag uh the infamous snag and crucible and you know you've seen this rounds on me now what else what might we see with with everfest to be interesting yeah i just can't believe you forgot to mention aetherize remember that little card the one that was oh, so yeah. speculated on when uh when those uh like eclipse and <laughs> doomsday were revealed that it actually went up in price like drastically but aetherize still has yet to kind of see the light of day maybe in kano mirrors and constructed but i've literally never played one of those um i would like you know interaction like aetherize um but that might start to drift in towards the no-no territory of denying your opponent to be able to play the game like you said you want to avoid yeah it has to be has to be really careful about it um aetherize is actually an interesting one because that one could potentially be really powerful because it's a blue resource card that pitches of course it doesn't defend so it's only potentially good in certain matchups but yeah that's the kind of aetherize's design worries me a little bit more than maybe something like chains of eminence for example but yeah it'd be interesting to see i do think it can be you see a lot of these effects printed at generic uh, in terms of because they want to balance how this effect can be applied across each class which i think makes sense but we have seen it with ice of course be in a talent but it does feel like that's pretty specific to just ice as a talent in general. It's about slowing the game down. It's about, uh, you know, about this frost idea. So probably we're going to see this stay in the generic sort of wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Other things I want to see, uh, Brennan, would be more setup-based cards like we saw in Crucible. And I don't know if we're going to... It's so hard for me to say whether we're going to see this or not. I think it could I, honestly go either way. We could see a very similar footprint to Crucible, like we talked about where we get this, plus we get, uh, you know, maybe some weapons that do this sort of thing, or we get more equipment that's about around setup-based sort of things. But, yeah, I think 
you look at decks like Viscerai, um, or possibly could we see something with like Earthbriar? We I know like Channel Mountain Rock, for instance, is like a really strong card, but it's like what what does that card do in like an Ultim Shell right now? Is that is it a card that's it's viable in Ultim Shell? So there's certain things that you know I'd love to see more setup based things, and and it, probably for certain heroes, like for instance, I don't think certain heroes need more setup based effects, but you know some uh, some heroes could could really use it. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and take your point here because <clears throat> this is one I think a lot of us will share. And it's that we want more support for classes that have not been very good or tier one, as you would say. But yeah. it, I mean, tier one and tier three, it's kind of hard to say because does it ascend or decent? We'll say garbage tier or at least bottom tier. <laughs> Things that have struggled. Like we all want to we all want to play more wizard. We all want to play more um, Zelia, Levia, even Bolton <clears throat> uh, to an extent in class constructed. And I think that that... Like, that helps the game feel a lot more, I don't know, flushed out, per se. Because right now, I think that Flesh and Blood is an extremely well-balanced game. But there is sort of a feels-bad moment if you're sort of a you know person that likes to role-play or identify with a certain class. And you happen to identify with, you know, a Ranger or a Levia um, or something like that. Those classes, they, will, they could become, you know, very strong in certain metas. So I don't think they're completely based off, you know, needing an additional card um, or something like that. But I would like to see, you know, things like Wizard, <laughs> of course, the others become much more playable and class constructed. Yeah, you are right. Some of these don't need a single card. Some of these need a lot of cards. <laughs> or they need a meta. Like some of them do need yeah, a meta, yeah, to that's be true. fair. That's true. It's true. I do feel that's how I feel about Reinar, for instance. I feel like probably one card in a, a meta would be pushing that deck into being one of the best decks in the format. So, yeah, yeah, I do. I do agree. Um I would like to see a different direction for playstyles on some of the heroes that I don't like or some of the, the classes I don't like. So yeah, Prism, mm -hmm. for instance, I'd love to see... These cards I really like in Illusionist, but Light Illusionist kind of puts me off to a degree with with this kind of aura-based strategy or these only hero-based strategies. I would love to see some cards, you know, that maybe change the direction of, of how that, that class could be played. Same with Mechanologist. Uh, of course, we've seen like the mid-range and control decks in the past. I've always been a big fan of the boost mechanic and you know the weapons that we've seen come in. We saw the the pleasant barrel shot. I'd love that card to be, you know, highly playable and that strategy be able to be more supported um, because it, it doesn't interact very well with breaking the combat chain and things like that, which is you know what often you want to do with uh, some of the cards in in dash. So yeah, I'd love to see I guess a change of strategy that maybe enables for like a, a really heavily boost oriented deck you know maximum velocity becomes like one of the best cards in the deck etc etc that's probably what i'm looking for yeah my last one here is going to be i would like i think i would like a card a generic that is anti-fatigue i think that there is a lot of cards that play very well into certain strategies cards that you know were maybe designed to host those strategies we can think about you know the guardian shield we can think about snag we can think about changes of eminence um i think that it, if there was a generic card that had a specific game against fatigue strategies um it could be very helpful so i don't personally struggle with fatigue too much like it's i don't find it to be a big pain point but i do think that it's not good for the game like inherently i think that that's like a terrible game experience it's like to be I mean, imagine if you were playing tabletop and your brother had a fatigue deck and you had whatever deck and every game just ended with you running out of cards it wouldn't be very fun the argument is that you adapt your game plan and play more efficiently and play more effectively and, and beat that strategy but at the end of the day i don't think that fatigue should be like a legit prevalent and popular way to win the game in flesh and blood and class constructed mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm not sure i'm kind of i'm probably on the opposite side to you where 
I want these strategies to be viable, but I want classes to be able to play in a certain way where it doesn't matter. So one thing I would say, you talked about like just change your strategy or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I think people shouldn't have to necessarily change their hero to be able to beat these strategies, but they should maybe have to change their strategy. And that obviously makes them worse against other decks, etc. And I think that's okay. But I think at the moment we don't even necessarily have that because some of the heroes or some of the classes have really one dimensional sort of abilities to play games. Um, whether that be because of like the weapons they have, because of the, the card pool they have, uh, because they just don't have quite the power in some of these cards. There's a few different reasons, I think. So I'd probably want to see more support for the classes rather than targeted hate cards. Um, and that leads me nicely, Brendan, onto what would be best for the health of the game. And I think that's actually one of the things that would be best for the health of the game with Everfest is to see not necessarily directed hate, but to build up and help support classes that can't play in a certain way or can't play in the current meta because of the way that the, the meta is driven because they just don't have the ability to do it. So whether that comes through interaction, which is fine, uh, or whether that comes from just changes of, of play style or increases in power level to the current play style, I think those are a better path personally for the health of the game than printing things that are going to specifically target or hate out or um, you know make other strategies specifically worse with one or two cards. Yeah, I think that kind of the most visceral time um, of that specific pain point was Monarch, right? Like you had a choice. It's like, do I want to play an aggressive strategy? Okay, I have to play Chain, right? Like, because nothing is faster. Um, at least the Delta of nothing is faster than Chain. It's like, I don't want to play Chain. How do I beat it? Well, 99% of people, their strategy to beat it was to play some sort of controller fatigue deck. And like, I totally agree with you. Like, there were so many heroes that were left out because they just couldn't deal with chain strategy. Obviously, he's an outlier because he was, you know, <laughs> notably broken, <laughs> as we've seen with the banning. But, um, but you know, extrapolating that to the, the Tales of Aria format, like, you can still see it. Like, there are some people that just, their classes, like, really can't deal with something like Briar. Yeah, it's it's a good example, though, I think. Although it might be, like you say, on the one end of the spectrum, the... You take that format, the format with Chain, and you look at something like Katsu, which I think was actually a really strong, like Katsu Aggro was a really strong deck in that format because of how it played into, you know, even like the control decks, but also the fact that you could, I mean, you, you weren't favored, but you could get a reasonable matchup with Chain, but give that card, a bit, get that deck a bit of support. And yeah, it might've been able to get somewhere close to 50-50. Obviously Chain was so far on the spectrum, maybe not, but maybe you replace that with Briar and you have the same conversation. So yeah, I do think that supporting the ability for classes to play in a certain way, as opposed to just specifically printing blanket cards that hate, uh, is is the way to go for the health of the game. Because you just get into this, I guess, you get in a position where we could just end up with a bunch of cards that hate on certain strategies, and, and people are just playing 60-card decks with 15-card hate sideboards. And that's really not where I want to play Flesh and Blood. <clears throat> I don't think that's enjoyable. So, yeah, I think that's probably one of the big things for the health of the game. Mm -hmm. And I think if you come from the player point of view, especially like the the casual player base, people that identify with a certain hero, they it's very desirable if your hero can kind of do a little bit a little bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. You know, can play aggressively, can play mid range, can play control. Um, so when you really lack the tools to play like one of those those three core strategies, it, it kind of feels like ah, I'm pigeonholed into playing this specific way. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to do them all well, and it doesn't have to do all of them. But it'd be nice if it could do more than one, right? Like. You look mm -hmm. at Azalea, okay, cool. Maybe there's a combo deck there that wasn't very good, but that you know could play it. So was there some support to make that a bit better? Plus there's in this aggressive sort of tempo based build. Okay, I don't really need a control build, but can I at least have a couple of ways to play this deck? Um, I think that's important. So 
yeah, the, the, I guess for health of the game, one of the other things I would like to see is no drastic changes. No, and this is funny because this kind of stands in contradiction to the thing I would like to see. Mm. But for the health of the game, I think no drastic changes is best. So small incremental changes, cards that add some support to classes that need it, some things that maybe change the way that heroes can play in terms of their strategies to some degree, but nothing that is going to just shift the needle of the format so far um, away from where we currently are or, or make current classes just so unplayable, I guess. I think that would be terrible for the health of the game. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. Like, I think, like, fundamentally, I agree. Um, I also would like to see the game, at least the meta, change a lot. Probably not the game. Um, so I think, I think I'm think i pretty in line with what you're saying. But at the same time, I do want to chase the dragon and get some, some crazy cards. They're going to switch stuff up. Yeah, which is fine. But imagine if you, you know, you just bought into your Briar deck and you just bought into your Alton deck. And then all of a sudden, those two classes just aren't those two heroes just aren't viable at all not not just that the playstyle needs to change or the deck build needs to change somewhat or some support comes in those heroes just aren't viable like that would that would suck i think and, and big needle change is just not good for for the game and i don't think we'll get it um i don't think we'd, we'd ever see that crucible brought in a lot of tools for things to change but it didn't it wasn't necessarily trying to change the way the game was playing but also crucible was at a time where uh, flesh and blood was still releasing its initial kind of base concept so the changes were bigger, so I don't expect to see Everfest make as many changes as possibly Crucible would have introduced, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I'll quickly say, because this is this is sort of a weirder point, <laughs> and totally relative to the time period you're in, but I would like to see the class-constructed meta shift, right? Like, I would like to see um, the dominance, or at least the popularity of Briar sort of wane a bit to get a bit, <laughs> to get more of a, a diverse meta um, and maybe even a, a meta that's not aggro first, right? Because it does feel like we've been in that for a while. Um, that being said, like that's just because I want things to shake up. I don't think there's something, anything inherently wrong with where we currently are, but I would like to see, um, you know, I'd like to see Everfest be totally different, new, and exciting for the competitive scene. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be a balancing act. And talk about the health of the game. Well, it needs to be. It needs to make enough changes for it to feel impactful and to be exciting and enjoyable and to actually i do think it needs to change right but it's to the degree <laughs> it's going to be a balancing act so it'll be interesting to see how how alice have balanced it but in theory like supplemental sets are the time to to make these balances right at the time to give the support that's needed for certain classes to uh, help guide and shape what sort of the next the next format looks like and um kind of end cap the two sets we've just had yeah so what uh i guess we talk about health of the game anything that you just straight out just don't want to see i mean we kind of already talked about this as we've been through i mean for me uh i don't want to see power creep be too big i think i kind of talked about this as a thread through the whole thing i'd like to see again more more smaller needle moves but any kind of like huge power creep on classes to the point where you know if, if all of a sudden uh, azalea became the best hero because xyz were printed that would probably be pretty bad because it sets a precedent that i don't want to see um and i think the other thing for me I don't want to see is like cards that support strategies that look fine, but are close to being broken. Uh, so, you know, I think about, for instance, a card that, you know, maybe we see a, a functional reprint of Blazing Ether or, you know, another card that is does, does something similar would be completely broken, I think, in Wizard. Um, a card that supports, overly supports the play of like Channel Mount Heroic, for instance, could be could be an issue. So there's there's a few things that I would be, yeah, I really don't want to see too many of these cards that could be broken be pushed over the top. 
Yep. For me, it's just um, cards that allow for non-interactive games and non-interactive game plans. Um, usually those fall in the, uh, the category of combo cards. Well, I, I, like I said earlier in the cast that I, I do want more combo to be available to players who enjoy that strategy. Um, combinations of cards that lead to games where your, you know, your opponent is literally not able to play. Um, I don't think are good for the health of the game. I don't think they're intentionally designed either. I just think that, you know, there's definitely a danger with creating a strategy like Saber Bolton, um, or if it's not, you know, like medium, it could be really, really oppressive and really bad for the game too. Because like if we were all playing Saber Bolton, that would be, I can't imagine that'd be great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think these combo decks, I'd like to see them be somewhat interactive to a degree. Like you'd be able to interact with them uh, in some way, shape or form, which that could be with existing cards or it could be with, you know, cards we see in the set. So yeah, it goes back to that point about, <clears throat> I guess, points of interaction, which cards could be, could be relevant um you know like is how good is blizzard against the bolton sabers combo for instance like there's a good example of what those cards yeah it's could. weird because we have so many more we have some more tools since we had to really think about that deck so it could be significantly worse now but it's just an example right exactly um yeah, yeah any kind of combination of cards that is going to lead to non-interactive games I, I assume that this would be on accident in terms of the design uh <laughs> let's avoid that because so. it's very possible <laughs> it's very very possible you would hope so but yeah, you know it could happen right so I want to talk about, I guess, the just the impact on heroes and classes. So if we look at the current meta, obviously you'd say it seems like the Runeblades are kind of, you know, sitting near the top. We've got decks like Ultim that uh, seem to be doing pretty well. If we look at what the, I guess, impacts could be or which heroes are likely to feel the biggest impact, where do you think we sit with that? With Everfest? Yeah, so I think that, I assume that Lightning Briar will feel a significant effect because that, that strategy would remain dominant i think for a very very long time unless the design had anticipated it being as good as it is right this kind of zero for you know x damage is just so 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 good not having to actually pay for resources um on the card you play so yeah i mean that one i think is going to take a hit i assume that there is some sort of uh, plan whatever whatever there might be to balance out from that um but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what you think. I think for me, it's just like Lightning Briar. While it's, I think it's a fun deck. It's a skill based deck. Um, I think that, that strategy could remain dominant for a really, really long time and actually negate a lot of cool design just because it's so proactive and so linear and just really good. Yeah, there's an interesting piece around Lightning Briar in particular. I think where there's there's this big spectrum of of where people sit. You know, there's a lot of uh, people in the camp of need something needs to be done, and this 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 strategy is too oppressive, and then we interestingly have this group of people who say that, no, it's, it's beatable. There's a lot of strategies that beat it uh, consistently. Um, my take personally is that it's a very powerful strategy. Uh, it's very linear, which is easy to play, makes it accessible. Uh, I do think those kind of strategies are good for the game. I do, however, think that the what we've seen with Lightning Briar is that it's, it's probably a bit too powerful personally. And um, I definitely am not on board with there being a multitude of strategies that have consistency against it, to be honest. So... Yeah, I do think I would like to see, and I think we will see that there's some impact on Lightning Briar. I think just in general, Rune Blades, uh, they might not get worse, but I think they at least stand still, and we see some support for other classes to play in certain ways that can interact with that. Um, and someone like Bravo is an interesting spot, I think, because it might get some support, or it might get a little bit of support, but even, I guess, indirect impact could mean that it just 
<laughs> it shifts. So either that, you know, Bravo needs to change the way it plays, uh, or the viability of certain strategies with Bravo um, shift. So you know, maybe it needs to move towards like a an aura based strategy to be relevant to the next format. I, I don't know, but I think that classes that see little impact could actually see really big big impact just in the way that they need to play in a, a potential new meta. Yeah. So Hayden, I know this is what you've been waiting for, but <laughs> what heroes, for. what hero stocks do you think will rise? Like who's on, who's on the precipice of greatness right now? That's a great question. So I think you could look at it and say, well, any class realistically could get the support it needs to become tier one, let's say to be in that top tier. But I think if, if I'm starting from what heroes are close and, and just need a little bit of support and could very realistically see this in Everfest, and I'm going to be the place that I start first once this card starts to come out, I'm looking at the Brutes. I think both Reiner and Livia uh, are very close. They probably need some shift in format and maybe a card or two to help support strategies. But I do think that they are both very powerful decks and they're close to, to being in that sort of tier one um, place. And Light Heroes, to be honest, I, I, that's where I'm kind of looking. I'm interested to see what support we get from, from Light Heroes. I think their stock is very likely to rise uh, because I think if we don't see cards that help realize different play strategies, then we're going to see cards that help uh, develop the current lines of, of those, those heroes. Light's interesting. Shadow has so much more depth to it in my eyes, and I don't know if that's just because I'm a bit biased because of playing Chain and Livia, um, but I do think that we're going to see at least something come through from light that that uh, really supports those classes yeah for sure so what hero stocks might rise let me think about that because obviously i think the wizard is it's like a card away maybe <laughs> right depends on the design um but do you actually think its stock is going to rise do you think we're going to see that support to the level that it's actually going to or is it just going to stay around the same if it gets the if it gets support i think that its stock will rise um whether it will get meaningful support, I don't know, right? It just, it depends. Because I want Wizard to be competitive, but I also don't want it to ruin the game, which is, that is the that is the dance you do with Wizard's design, um, is that it's either, it's either average and it's good and it's fun and it's really interactive, or it's trash or it breaks the game, right? Like, there's just, there seems like there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, kind of delicacy with Wizard. It's either amazing or terrible <laughs> so um i think that if it gets a support um if it gets some support never fast some meaningful support that it could be a very very strong class i think we're going to see some some like side grades <laughs> for wizard well, let's see side grades wizard has a yeah. wizard actually has a somewhat linear game uh, not a linear game plan but doesn't have a lot of choice right like there is there's like the OTK decks, the combo decks, and then there's like general wizard play. And you can kind of tweak and uh, you know, sub out some cards and adjust your strategy. That being said, like something like GTL Kano, like a Kano that has, um, you know, physical attacks in it as well, is not really well supported at all. Um, so I think that there's a lot of expansion there. Because we think about the future of wizard. Is the future of wizard literally just arcane damage and instant speed? Probably not. There's probably not. more. Yeah, there's probably more to that, right? Um and especially we talk about weaving in some of the um, some of the attack actions. I mean, this it, if you look at the design of Prism and Auras, it looks like that Wizard does have some sort of idea to play attack actions, right? Because they wouldn't. Because if it's not that case, if attack actions will always be terrible in the Wizard class, then the Aura design of Prism is just kind of lame. It's just it just totally yeah. dunks on Wizard in every single way, in like a non-fun way, in like a in just like a total hate non-interactive way. So I think like extrapolating from Prism's aura design, I do think that we will move 
um, toward a future of Wizard having attack actions. Hey, you can play Telashaw. <laughs> yeah, I know you can't play Talisha. I mean, there, there's definitely options, right? But it does look like, I mean, looking at the design there, it's like, huh. Yeah, I mean, and if you just think about Wizard in general, like, is it all just going to be like some derivative of Kano playing at instant speed with arcane damage? Or like, yeah, I think no. that we'll be able to play attack actions and then it will actually be encouraged by the next Wizard hero. Yeah, I think it comes from a different hero, to be honest. The, yeah. like, a, more of like a summoner style kind of Wizard, maybe. I don't know. But the, or something that wants to play attack actions anyway. But the, the, the other one as well for me is like, do we see like a burn style Kano? Like, you know, the cards like Scalding Rain and Voltic Bolt, like just pure damage output. Like, is that something we see? You know, yeah. it's about yeah, amplification, is- more just about pure, pure arcane damage. Yeah, so that's actually a really cool strategy. It's like semi-viable uh, in the current Blitz format. And like the reason why I like that strategy so much is it's actually very interactive. Like yeah, most is- burn is not super interactive, but the reason that this kind of version of Kano is interactive is because... When you're presenting arcane damage that's at a lower threshold, let's say below three, so like below your opponent's null rune, um, you're just asking for cards every time. You're trading off the the resources, right? Damage for cards, um, and it's really interesting to watch your opponent kind of figure out like how many, how much do they have to pitch, how much damage can they take in terms of still having enough cards in hand to be able to have a playable turn on the swing back. So I think that's an awesome wizard strategy. I hope that it gets more development. Yep, I completely agree. Um, I think the last thing I want to say on heroes stock that might rise is just just to be honest, it's talented heroes. I think talented hero stock will rise more than non-talented heroes. And I think that's just the the design space of where we are with the game and, and moving forward. Um, I have this this thought, I know we've talked about it before. I know um, Jason Long talked about it as well. This idea that the talented heroes are kind of the the real inception of flesh and blood. Like the, the non-talented heroes are like the introduction to flesh and blood. And I hope that's not true. To be honest, I hope we do still get to see some of our favorites from the past be viable and strong. Obviously, we know Viserai is, is a good deck in the current format. Um, Bravo is 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 also very good. But do we start to see that these guys, you know, these heroes, their stock start to drop off, and um, the talented heroes really make way? And I, I think that I think we might to a degree in um, in Everfest. Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting concept because I think that we can reasonably assume that almost every set moving forward, this not a supplemental set, will be talented heroes. I don't know if that's been officially declared. Um, so yeah, like where do these original heroes kind of land in that in that world, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I, and I think as you start to see new heroes in those classes come about, does that make you know like is Katsu just had his time? Is Katsu got is Katsu done? You know, is the next set bring us a, a talented ninja and and we never hear from Katsu again? So that would be interesting. I again, I, I hope not, but at some point it probably makes sense uh, for the game in the long term. And in other TCGs, it's not like other, you know, older heroes or um, champions or whatever don't basically effectively rotate out or, or become power crept out. And I, I hope we don't see things get power crept necessarily, but because of the talent system and that being a full realization, I'm okay with maybe some of the non-talented stuff uh, eventually moving to the wayside. But we talk about hero stock that will fall. <laughs> so I would think on the inverse side of that, yeah, I think we see non-talented hero stock start to fall. And... I'm going gonna to shout this one out for you, Brendan, and you're not going to like this, but I think that Kano's stock will fall, uh, which you might think is hard to, to have happen in Class Constructed, maybe, but in Blitz, I think it, it, it could happen, and in Class Constructed, even more so. I just think that Kano could be too powerful uh, for Class Constructed. I just think that until we see a talented wizard, I think we've got a, a hero on our hands with that hero ability that's just potentially just too powerful. Yeah, I mean, well, it would be on brand because every set has been terrible for Kano. That's true. <laughs> they keep just they keep just massacring my boy. Um, 
It's very possible, but like I said, he just needs one card to be maybe a little bit too powerful. <laughs> maybe just not be explored enough in development, and then boom, he's a... Uh, that's all Flesh and Blood is. Flesh and Blood is just going to be you getting burned by a bunch of wizards. But I think they're very careful on the design, so who knows? I, I'm hoping. Um, I also like would welcome a new a new wizard, you know, a talented wizard or something like that. But I don't think it's happening in Everfest. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> regarding the competitive viability of Kano, um, up or down, who knows? But it's definitely going one way. It's probably not staying the same. Oh, interesting. I think it's staying the same or going down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or going down, right? Like I, I just. I don't know. If it doesn't get anything, right, it's just going to be... I feel like with new cards being added to the game, it will just... It'll become worse, right? It'll just be garbage. The funny thing so. is, is, is like, it might get better, but then as it sees play, it actually just gets worse. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because there's so many cards now, there's so much spell void, uh, there's so many things that interact with, yeah. with, you know, you've got Prism, obviously, you've got... Yeah, spell void, auras, frostbite, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you name it, they just keep just... Oh, it's, it's rough. So... But yeah, like with, with Kano being less played, these these things are less prevalent, right? Like Spellboard and stuff, people aren't packing as much. But it's funny, maybe if, if Kano gets some better cards, it actually becomes less competitively viable because then, you know, it becomes viable to a degree and then it becomes way worse than it was before it was uh, quote-unquote viable. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, on, on my end, I would prefer to play, you know, fair games of Kano against people that are prepared for it rather than, you know, bringing it to a tournament and having 10%, well, 50% of my games being like an auto win because people didn't pack Null Rune. Um, but like you said, <laughs> I think that if everybody teched for Kano um, during the last meta, like, yeah, the, the, the deck's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Ta- look, if, if someone's offering me 50% auto wins at an event I go to, I'm, ta- I'm taking it, Brennan, as long as I it can still win Wait, the 50%. what if you, oh yeah, but you have to have a chance to win the auto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I have to have a good chance. What, as well. if, what if you were? What if you were guaranteed to lose 25 percent? But you like you were guaranteed to win fifty percent. You had, I don't know. It's up to you to win the next twenty five. But then twenty five percent, you're guaranteed to lose. Are you taking that deck? Nah, no chance. Because the 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 percentage to top eight, you're really tight on even being able to top eight. And then you know, based on those percentage that we're looking at, I'm probably win not winning the event. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, no, I would say no. Right now, maybe ask me again in a year. Uh, we'll, we'll see how we're going. <laughs> yeah, just yellow the 50-50 combo deck yeah, in the World Championship. Exactly. Might be the case. want to wrap up with where we will be starting with Everfest, Brendan. Um, so probably, you know, once previous starts to drop, as you say, in a few weeks, and then the set's only a week away, and then we've got ProQuest. I think my first ProQuest. I don't have one in week one, I don't think, so far, just looking at what's happening. But you know, three weeks after Everfest drops, I'll be into an event. Probably two weeks after, you'll be into an event, and it'll be the same for a lot of people around uh, around the around the globe. So, where are we? Where are we starting? What are we going to be looking at? I think initially focusing on some heroes. Uh, yes, that's going to be happening. Some of the the things we think might rise, but as we start to see cards previewed, that's going to give us an idea of where to start looking. Like, okay, here's some you know more powerful interactions. Here's some cards that we know we were looking for for these kind of heroes to push them into playable or potentially tier one and that's probably where i'll be starting brendan yourself yep yeah i mean heroes or kind of specific cards like we look back at crucible if i gave you blood she's you could spend quite a quite a while oh i did to figure out that I card did. And, yeah looking for strategies and there was tons of stuff there was tons of cards that allowed you to do that so i mean focusing on specific cards building around them i mean even something like chains of eminence is just i mean i don't know if it's but it's an incredible card like the use case is just 
so wide. Um, so I think that you know, there'll be a lot of really interesting stuff designed um, and we'll probably hone in on that. Yep. I think uh, looking at the changes to an existing meta as a base is a really good place to start as well. And almost certainly we're, we're, we're we'll start once we get through New Zealand, Australian nationals. Okay. What, what does tier one, what does tier two look like right now? What does the meta actually shape up look uh, as we sort of head into Everfest? And then preview season starts. Okay, what what cards are going to have impact to the current decks? I think it's a really good place to start. And then outside of that, just brand new things. You know, what will Everfest bring that could, like we say, completely change the way certain heroes play? Could change how the meta shakes out? Could bring us something that we haven't seen before? Maybe it's a you know it's a set of weapons that do something completely new. Um, those are things that I think are really important to look at initially as well and just see explore the power level. Um, a new format. I'm always looking for proactive things to start with. Uh, but I am also conscious of okay, what what's what's the existing meta um, happening? Maybe a deck that's already here gets really good, or maybe uh, there's a, a completely new deck. Yep, and of course, in classic fashion, the new set we will be spending a large amount of time trying to break the meta because <laughs> there's a there's a lot on the line with the pro quest and then the pro season in 2022, and every set is just a new opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> that's your that's your motto. It's an opportunity. Wink, wink, Jason Chung. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Let us know in the comments what you are looking forward to in Everfest, like what classes you want to, you know, potentially rise in stock or lose in stock, go down. Um, I wonder what it will say, be. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what it will be. Everybody's like, we need more Saber Bolton coming for me. Um, but yeah, let us know. Really exciting time, obviously. Crucible of War was developed in an interesting time for Flesh and Blood. Not a lot of people were playing the game. I think that if Crucible had been released today, we would have seen a much different uh, kind of adoption and change to the general meta. So very exciting for Everfast with so many people playing and so much on the line with 2022 being our first pro season. All right, Hayden. So we are shooting for our YouTube goal of 3,000 subscribers um, this <clears throat> January. We developed that goal um, this month. It's a brand new goal, so hopefully <laughs> we hit it. <laughs> Hayden and I are both located on Twitter. I'm located at BrendanAPG. Hayden is located at Fiendel, F-Y-E-N underscore Dale. And finally, a big thank you to all of the patrons. And like I mentioned earlier, the Patreon does have tons of extra content, including an extra podcast every month. A well, we actually switched off the live session. Now we do gameplay review of popular games. So last time we did the um, Hong Kong Nationals finals, and in addition to that, if we throw up a deck tech on the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel, we have a deck tech cyborg guide ratios charts. Fibonacci sequences, everything you need to pick <laughs> up the deck and start being competitive on the Patreon. <laughs> anyway, until next time, see you in the next episode. See you later.